what is really the problem in Africa? And I saw the problem from two angles. One was businesses were opening up and closing shop like at an alarming rate. So you find a restaurant that would naturally just go and eat in and you'd go there two weeks later and you hear it shut down because of lack of customers or because of lack of data and stuff like that. And on the flip side, you get consumers not um, having the opportunity to buy stuff. There was no like the mid-level um, um, earners wasn't even available. Everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rise of the Next. On today's episode, we have Simeon Ananobi, who's a CEO and co-founder of Connected Analytics, which offers rewards programs to customers through its network of 600,000 users and nearly 1,500 merchants. Now, Connected Analytics is based in Nigeria and is entering Kenya with plans to expand in Ghana, Uganda, and Rwanda. And in today's episode, Simeon and I discuss what it takes to create an engaging shopping experience for the African consumer and how he's implementing loyalty and buy now, pay later plans to a market that is largely unfamiliar and at times mistrustful of such services. I do hope you enjoy today's episode. Now let's get to it. Simeon, welcome to Rise of the Next. It's good to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Why don't we start off by um, giving the listeners a little bit of a background. I'd love for you to please share with everyone your story and your journey. Yeah, so my name is Simeon Ananobi. Uh, one of the four co-founders of Connected Analytics. People know us more as Thank You Cash, which is our flagship product. And I've had personally a long journey. I started my first business when I was like still back in school when I was like 16. And it, for me, it was, you know, always trying to figure out how to solve problems and how to make money from it. So while I was back in school, I formed a company called Compuvacity, which was effectively teaching my colleagues or my co-students how to use a computer you know, how to send Yahoo messages, how to use Yahoo Messenger and stuff like that. And I figured out a lot of people didn't know what this was because that was like just the beginning of the internet in Africa. Yahoo was a long time ago. Yeah, I started charging for it. And it was amazing. I was charging about, I was getting about $3,000, $4,000 a session. Not bad at all. Yeah, it was too much money for a student. So I wanted to learn more about technology and understand how things were, were done. Because at that point I was studying biochemistry. Mm. But I just got fascinated with computers. I wanted to know more how does this internet work and stuff like that. So I used the money, the proceeds from my first venture, and I built a what we call internet cyber cafes. I remember those back in the day. Yeah. So I sold a lot of, um, was making money, but I was also learning. So I learned how to code, how to do a lot of coding on my own and stuff like that. But I started learning stuff. And that led me to building a mobile app for a bank. And that was where my, st- my journey really, really started. Something funny happened then. I had some money. I bought a mobile phone. And that was the first time we we're having GSM mobile phones in, in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And I lost my phone and I lost all my contacts. So I was like, this shouldn't happen. Like this, this shouldn't really happen. So I decided to write a software that would allow me back up my phone. So that next time when I lose my phone, I don't lose my contacts. And that was my first ever mm-hmm. startup called Back Up My Phone. And I sold that then very early on to a network provider. And I joined into, you know, building the first fintech company in Nigeria called Simple Pay. Had a lot of learnings, had a lot of um, progress um, before I joined into saying to myself, wait, what is really the problem in Africa? And I saw the problem from two angles. One was businesses were opening up and closing shop like at an alarming rate. So you find a restaurant that would naturally just go and eat in and you'd go there two weeks later and you hear it's shut down 
because of lack of customers or because of lack of data and stuff like that. And on the flip side, you get consumers not um, having the opportunity to buy stuff and you either had to be very rich. Mm-hmm. There was no like the mid-level um, um, earners wasn't even available. Why did this gap exist and what was driving the problem? Then it was like, you know, you didn't have so many businesses. What you had were traditional businesses, which was like brick and mortar salespeople. If you were just like a regular day-to-day guy that just came out of school looking for work, you wouldn't end so much. So you would like live not so comfortable a life, but I mean, you would get by day by day. And it opened my eyes the more when I got selected in 500 startups. And when I got selected in 500, it was like, hey, America is a different thing. It's like a different, but it's like a new world. I mean, when I got to, to 500 and, you know, we're in class and stuff like that, and people were like, we're getting mentorship and all that stuff. I realized that I could get an iPhone for 30 bucks a month. Who gets an iPhone for 30 bucks a month? It's it's something new. It's impossible because where I come from in Africa, you pay for everything up front, two years up front in some cases. You literally pay two years of rent up front. It was like something very new to me. Like, mm-hmm. how did this even work? How do you pay rent monthly. You understand that, you know, because when you're going to a new environment, you think it's the same thing that you're borrowing for where you're coming from. And I'm like, wow, there's an opportunity here. So we set up this company just before, before we came to 500. And what we wanted to do was we wanted to solve problems where businesses stop shutting down by giving them um, customers and um, getting customers into the door and also creating opportunities for those customers to be able to buy stuff that when they, when they come into the door. And today, yeah, we're doing very well. Just recently raised our, our seed round about $5.3 million. And what, what we saw was brick and mortar stores couldn't get customers because whenever you walked in, it was like Hail Mary. Hey, you walked in, you buy a product and you walk away. They don't get data on you. They don't get anything about you. They can't resell you. They can't re, you know, go back to that store. And we also saw that they didn't have opportunities like you would have in the West where you could buy something today and pay over a time period. All those things never existed. So we needed to help customers get opportunities that could help them. So we started with Thank You Cash and we said, hey, what about each business could say thank you for every single working customer? Just say thank you and do it in cash. So it's like, hey, you walk into a store and you buy a product and the owner says, hey, thank you for coming. Um, this is 10% back on what you bought. What we now did extra was that cashback, you could spend it across multiple merchants. So we created an experience for customers. So let's take like what you would be familiar with, CVS. So you walk into CVS and you get you know drugs for your, for your headache. Now you will get points and those points, if you don't fall ill anymore in the shortest possible time, you don't get to spend those points. So because of that, the customers don't get in, don't get excited about actually earning points from different markets. Mm-hmm. So what we did was to say, hey, let's create an experience for you. You could end points at CBS or any pharmacy and use those points to go watch a movie at the cinema once you're well. And we saw the virality of this. Everybody loved it. So basically the points would be redeemable across the network of merchants on your platform, correct? Correct. Got that. So in that case, it isn't quite a cash back. Instead, customers would earn points on the platform, but the points would be exchangeable across a variety of different products. Yes, Uh, but we call it cash back because... Um, when we first started, we allowed you to cash out the money. Mm. So we just stopped it after a while and we couldn't change the, the word we already used, which is cashback. Mm-hmm. But uh, when we first started, um, when you got 10% cash back, say you got you bought a product of $10, $100 and you got $10 back, it would allow you to cash it out as cash. But after a while, we just said, you know what? Why allow people to cash it out? Why don't you just create an experience for them? 
Well, why did you stop the cashback though? We, we tried two things. I mean, we always do A-B testing and we tried to say, you know what? What about if we create an experience for you? Would it make sense for you? Because for the cash, because sometimes it's very small. If you bought a product of $10 and you got $1 back, you probably look at it and say, wow, what's $1? So we decided to use it as an experience rather than just give cash back. Interesting. And that proved more effective in your A-B testing. Correct. I mean, people that earned like huge cashbacks instantly, they were taking out the funds. But those same people, when they earn little cash back, they don't want to take out the funds. They don't want it to be in cash. They, they just want to keep it there. So we were like, wait, what do we do to get people excited. So we started testing, hey, do you know you have a dollar? You could actually use it for a bottle of Coke. You could use it for a piece of shawarma or you could use it to watch a movie at a, as a cinema. And we started seeing people use this points for different experiences. And how many merchants are on your platform? We have about 1,500 at the moment. We just signed the largest pharmacy chain today. Um, so we're excited. We're pumping champagne in the office and, you know, excited about it. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you very much. And what kind of merchants are on there? So we have different categories of merchants. So we have like gas stations, supermarkets, grocery stores. We have restaurants. We have fast food eateries. Um, like now we have pharmacy chains. We have cinema houses, barber shops, female hairdressing salons. We have massage parlors. We have different types of merchants. Quite the variety. Yeah. We also have startups that are into aviation. And how many customers use your app? So not the merchants, but the people spending using Thank You Cash. So currently we have uh, 598,000 as of this morning that are active, um, but we're projecting to get to 3 million within the next uh, few months because of some partnership that we've signed up. Yeah. So actively we have plus or minus 600,000. Okay. And what is this partnership that you're referring to? Banks started looking at us and saying, hey, we could use you as a value added service. Rather than just traditional banking, we could use your system to actually offer our account holders that are businesses cash back solutions. And they could actually reach out to our own customers that are individual customers. Mm. So what we do, what we were doing right now is we integrate into to banks to say, hey, you can offer our services to your merchants and also to your customers and create a loop where your merchants and your customers enjoy more services than just regular banking services. So right now we're onboarding a bank that has about 1.5 million customers. And once we do that, we have all their customers and we're also onboarded on their merchants. And the consumers who use your app, are they all Nigeria-based? Yes, but we've just launched in Kenya. So, but we're still ramping up numbers in Kenya and we're also launching in Ghana and we're tying up in Uganda and Rwanda. So the idea is the five locations will be live before June this year. So we will be in five countries. And how do you build a reward program that works for the African consumer? So trust was a problem. Uh, and I, I'll explain what I mean. If I walked into walmart and i pick up uh, like a um a product mm -hmm. and i see it's 12 dollars. there is a likelihood i'll believe it's 12 dollars, and i'll just go to the cashier and pay 12 dollars. and walmart will still be able to give me a percent or two percent in cash back or a discount right and i wouldn't feel like they um, increase the price just to give me the cash back in africa is the reverse everybody feels that when you see a discount there has been a an increase in the main in the real price of the product just to account for the discount. 
So because of that, there's this like consumer uh, resistance to the fact that, hey, ah, they say they're going to give me 20% off or they're going to give me 10% off. Oh, well, they build the price to make sure they account for 10% or 20%. So there's this, uh, you, you know, resistance from users that we had to first try to go over. And that's why we started saying, you know what? Pay the regular price of the product. It's not a discount. We're going to give you part of it back. So it was a bit of a like a hassle to try to convince people that, mm. hey, you're going to end cash backs. Don't worry. You're going to end this. You're going to end that. Just keep buying from this merchant. Keep buying from this. And on the flip side, it was also a problem trying to explain to merchants that, hey, you don't need to write on paper the names of consumers. You can actually just have a system that works. This is a real story. I walked into Sut, the wristwatch company, and I wanted to buy a wristwatch. And as I was about to leave the store, the lady goes, hey, sir, can I have your name and number? I need to write it down so that when we have new products, I could actually send you an SMS or an email. And I'm like, okay, so if you have an automated system where you could actually do this. And I realized they didn't have that. And that's how they were one of our first customers. Now, the idea was give a cash back to this customer and your, the data of the customer was automatically going to your platform and you can see when, when they bought the product, what product they bought. So you could automatically retarget this customer with new products or you know tools to enhance the product you already bought. Do you work with each merchant to tailor a loyalty program? No. So we build one that fits almost all types of merchants. Um, so let me explain what I mean. So for instance, when you walk into a store, you, you buy stuff, you put on your phone number, it automatically captures your data and it sends the data to the dashboard that we create for the merchant. So from the, from the merchant dashboard, the merchant can see how many customers have worked in, what they bought, how much they spent. And if they are returning customers, it shows you these are returning customers. If they are new customers, it shows you these are new customers. It automatically sends them SMSs, emails, welcomes them to the, to the store and stuff like that. Now, all merchants need like this. When it comes to like, hey, I want to give more to my customers. I want to give more to my merchants. We start adding tools that they can that they can request for. So we call them modules. So you can actually add more modules as a merchant to what you're actually doing. So for instance, you want to throw out happy hour. You're a restaurant. Our system can allow you to push out a deal at a particular time of the day. So you could say, if you come between five and six today, you get 10% or 50% off just for that hour. You can do that with the platform, but you have to like, activate it on the platform. Then, so let's assume you're a supermarket and you have expiry products that's going to expire in three months and you need to get rid of them quick. You can actually drop the price and push it out to as many customers as possible and they would get it. So we try to build one platform by listening to everybody, mm. but trying to make sure that we tailor it in such a way that you could use it irrespective of what kind of merchant you are. Simeon, by the way, what has been some of the biggest challenges you faced in building Thank You Cash? Yeah, um, Other than the trust that we just alluded to. I would say one of the biggest was trying to convince partners to work with me. Do you mean the merchants or or other partners? No, 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 the partners. Okay. No, 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 the partners. Yeah, other partners, like, like equipment partners, point of sale terminal partners that we use and stuff like that. So for instance, let me, let me, let me explain what I mean. So in America, you have companies like Square. So Square has a device, has a, a big point of sales terminals that's connected to payments, connected to inventory management, connected to everything. So you could just buy one device and it has everything. In Africa, it's decentralized. So you have a different company 
um, that provides the terminals, which is the bank. You have a different company that builds the terminals, which is the payment terminal providers. You have a different company that processes the transaction, which is the processing uh, transaction processing company. You have a different company that owns the cards if you're paying with cards. So you have to talk to everybody to be able to get them into one platform. And by the way, um, so there's a few of you co-founders over at Thank You Cash. How'd you guys come together? So funny enough, we met at different times. So I'm the CEO, there's a CEO, there's a CTO and the, the VP of um, engineering. And it was just like luck. So let me explain what, what, it, what it was. So initially I had started a company with one of my co-founders who later became my wife. So I'm married to one of my co-founders. Okay, interesting. <laughs> yeah, so we, we co-founded a company, um, her company. I was her technical lead in her company when she wanted to set, she wanted to set up a streaming company. And I was like, yeah, I could build this stuff for you. So I helped her there and she just made me a co-founder of our company, but it was a bit silent and all that. So when I was going to form this company, I needed somebody in sales. And I was like, Hey, would you join me to build this? And she said, yeah, you know, no problem. She's very, very good at sales. And I said, join the company. Yeah. We got married and we became yeah, you know, a couple. I also met my CTO, um, for we're friends. Three of us became very, very close friends. We actually lived in the same house for a while. And while he was moving to Nigeria, he was like, hey, I have this guy that works under me and would love to join the company as a staff. So he moved also to Nigeria and that's the, the Fodco founder. Seems like a very tight squad, let's say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're very tight squad. Very, very tight squad. Simeon, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that you guys have recently raised $5.3 million. And what are you planning on using the funds for? Yeah, so, I mean, we raised $5.3 million and it was for, for just basically expanding and growing the platform as fast as we can. So it was first for us to be able to like expand into other countries, which we're doing right now. So the target was get five countries before June. Mm-hmm. Um, also launch out other vertical products. Currently, we're building two major, three major products, um, which is spinning off our platform. So yes, we started at a loyalty and a deals platform, but right now we're also embedding buy now, pay later into our system where through our integrations into all our partners, mm-hmm. we can actually offer buy now, pay later by plugging in lenders. So lenders are plugging in and they can actually instantly in-store, give out credits for people to be able to buy products. You know, so we're, we're launching pay by four, pay by seven in-stores. We're also looking at launching through the same platform because now we have a network of merchants in Nigeria. We you hope to have the same thing in Ghana, Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, where we have a network of merchants. And we want to use this to solve the remittance issue. So what, what, what do I mean by that? Remittance today from diaspora to Africa has a bit of snag. And let me explain what the snag is. If I want to send money right now, if I'm in America and I want to send money to say my grandma in Kenya, in Nairobi, mm-hmm. what I would do is because my grandma might not know how to use, um, I don't know how to read and write or go to the bank. I would get a cousin and send the money to a cousin and tell the cousin to go get drugs for my grandma. Now, most times a party happens afterwards. So they use this part of the money to, 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 to have a party. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, my grandma doesn't get the entire money or doesn't get the, the type of drug. So I keep, I keep going back, back and forth with it. So for instance, if I was to send money right now and say, you know what, I want to pay school fees of someone in the village or in Lagos, I would send money to my sister and I'm sure she's not going to spend all that money on school fees. She's going to buy herself a spa session uh, and use the rest for what I asked before. Now, but what about if I could track and actually pay 
the school fees or the grocery uh, or uh, the grocery items directly while I'm sitting in my room in America. Mm. So I could pick up a, a, a store and I say, you know what? I want this pharmacy. I want to spend a hundred dollars on drugs and I want to spend it for my, my mom. And this is her phone number. And once I keep the key that into the app, it automatically sends my mom a code and say, go to this location and pick up your drugs. And she can go to that location, pick up her drugs. Um, the same thing for school fees, the same thing for groceries, the same thing for you know bill payments or TV um, payments and stuff like that. So we want to build, bring this to America, want to bring it to Canada, want to bring it to the UK, where mm-hmm. immigrants can actually send money back home without actually sending money back home. And that's what we call it in kind. You know, so, so that's the second major thing we want to use the funds for. Third thing we want to use the fund for is build a card um, network for rewards. So right now in America, if I use my credit card, I get rewards. I get 1% or 3% or 5%, depending on which credit card or debit card I'm using. In Nigeria, in Kenya, in Ghana, it's not possible. There is no such thing because there's no infrastructure for it. So we are building that infrastructure where any bank can plug in and be able to reward customers using their credit card system. So these are the three things that we want to use the funds for. Interesting. I look forward to following. Thank you, Cash on the Growth. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you subscribe on wherever you're listening to this so you can get notified as soon as new episodes are released. You can listen to this episode on all major podcast streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts, as well as our website, The Global VC, which you can access at 500.co. Until then, you can also stay up to date with 500 Global by following us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all with the handle at 500 Global. That's all for me today. I'll catch you all on a future episode of Rise of the Next by 500 Global. This podcast is intended solely for general informational or educational purposes only. Under no circumstances should any content provided as part of or any such programs, services, or events be construed as investment, legal, tax, or accounting advice by 500 Startups Management Company, LLC, or any of its affiliates, 500 Global. 500 Global makes no representation as to the accuracy or information in this podcast. And while reasonable steps have been taken to ensure that the information herein is accurate and up-to-date, no liability can be accepted for any such error or omissions, and 500 Global accepts no responsibility for any loss which may arise from reliance on the information in this podcast. Under no circumstances should any information or content in this podcast be considered as an offer to sell or solicitation of interest to purchase any securities advised by 500 Global or any of its affiliates or representatives. Further, no content or information in this podcast is intended as an offer to provide any investment advisory service with regard to securities by 500 Global. Under no circumstances should anything herein be construed as fund marketing materials by prospective investors considering an investment into any 500 Global investment fund. Under no circumstances should any statistics, quotations, or other content be interpreted as testimonials or endorsement of the investment performance of any 500 Global fund by a prospective investor considering an investment into any 500 Global fund. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements which involve risks and uncertainties, and actual results may differ materially from any expectations, projections, or predictions made or implied in such forward-looking statements. This podcast includes content delivered by an independent third party that is not related to or controlled by 500 Global. 
All views and opinions represented in the podcast by such third party are their own views and opinions and do not represent those of 500 Global. 500 Global makes no representations as to or guarantees of specific outcomes from attending or relying on the contents of the podcast.